You're listening to the Woman Power Zone podcast with host Ariel Hubbard, empath, energy worker, and massage therapist who shares secrets and stories of women's empowerment, learned from over 32 years of working in holistic healing arts and talking with thousands of women about their amazing life stories. If you are seeking ways to grow, pivot, heal, and up-level your life, you are in the right place. Here is your host, Ariel Hubbard. Welcome to Woman Power Zone. In today's episode, we talk about how this one activity can help with mental, emotional, and physical issues, as well as improve our mood. Stay tuned. Welcome to Woman Power Zone, a safe space for learning, growing, healing, and empowerment. So have you ever felt down, out of sorts, or in a negative space? Do you have a love partner with erectile dysfunction? Are your kids driving you crazy? Are you having trouble sorting out your thoughts or creating something? Do you experience depression or anxiety? All of these issues can be addressed with one simple activity, which is regular exercise. Now, here's the thing. Somebody had told me this once and it really gave me food for thought, which was that the most available, cheapest, and easiest method to begin to address depression, anxiety, or negativity was something that people use the least and it's exercise. And here's the thing. You can shift your biochemistry by exercising. Now, I want to talk about the difference between exercising for how you feel or how it makes you feel versus for vanity because there's been a lot of research out lately, especially with the um, implementation of weight loss drugs. And I don't know if you know about this, but there are a whole bunch of new weight loss drugs that are on the market right now. And they are causing people to lose weight very quickly. Um, and they're caught like a Zembic, that kind of stuff. You're probably going to hear about this stuff online or on podcasts or whatever. And the thing is, those people that are taking those, the intentions for people to take those for diabetes, right? And they're losing weight by taking these these uh, medications and they're losing all kinds of weight because those medications have to do with how much food the brain decides it wants to eat and how much we're actually eating. And the thing is about those meds is from what I've read and I've read, I don't know about five or six articles on this so far, because this is all relatively new. People have to take them consistently and pretty much for the rest of their lives to keep the weight off. So you're going to see people talking about these drugs, but what they don't necessarily tell you is that you have to keep taking them. But the point about these is that it has nothing to do with your willpower or, you know, controlling cravings necessarily. It has a lot to do, like, you're not a larger person because there's something wrong with you or you have character defects. That's like a stereotype that's out there. And a lot of people, they don't necessarily want to do exercise. They might want to relax or they might be tired after a long day or they might be busy. It's hard to fit exercise into your life. But the thing is, exercise can make a difference, but not necessarily to as a focus to make you look better. 
I do find that people who do exercise look better, but they aren't necessarily thinner. They look better because um, they have a glow about them. They have more self-confidence. Their posture is better. And they've done a bunch of studies about how posture affects how people perceive you. That's kind of interesting. So like the exercise brings benefits. And there are so many health benefits to exercise physically, emotionally, and mentally that I can't even name all of them. But I did name some of them at the top of the show. So here's the thing. If you're doing exercise just to look good, which a lot of people do, and don't look at doing exercise for how it makes you feel, you're missing out. So if you're doing it that way, I want to remind you that feeling good and having the the confidence to do the daily living activities or activities of daily living, as they call them in the insurance world, that's important. It's exercise that gives you the ability to squat down and pick something up off of the floor, or it gives you the ability to carry something that's a little heavier, or it gives you the ability to, you know, walk a distance or run a distance. It's one of those things. Hey everybody, if you're loving this show and you want to make a difference, please go to Apple Podcast Ratings and give the show a five-star rating. Thanks so much. It's appreciated. For a lot of us, it's about confidence and confidence does make us feel better about ourselves. And weirdly, confidence, I think, makes us physically look more attractive. So just think about why you're doing it. And let me jump back to the Azembic um, conversation about the meds and taking meds to lose weight. I personally don't think there's anything wrong with that. If that's what's going to work for you to get the weight off so you can do more with your life. For some people, when they're trying to make changes in how they live their lives and they're looking at weight loss as one of those solutions, for some people, they feel overwhelmed with all of it. They're like, how am I going to do a diet? How am I going to do exercise? How am I going to change everything? And it's hard for a lot of people to incorporate changes in their life. And for some people, when they take the med, whether it's Ozempic or other types of weight loss medications, they actually start a cycle because now that they, they lost 35 pounds, it's easier to move their body because it's easier to move their body. They'll exercise more frequently. When they exercise more frequently, they have a better mood, right? So if that worked for you to take it for that purpose, go for it. I just wanted people to know that a lot of times, I believe from everything that I've been reading, you have to take these ongoingly. But for some people, it's worth it to do that, especially when they're dealing with diabetes because diabetes is a really serious condition. And so if this works, that's awesome, right? So the thing about the vanity versus health benefits conversation is I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to look good. I just think that looking good really comes from within and how you feel about yourself. So if you are exercising regularly, right, you do feel better about yourself. Now, a lot of us try to exercise and we have trouble fitting it into our schedule. Um, we have a trouble like creating the time. And so <clears throat> there are different types of exercise. There's low intensity, moderate intensity, and high intensity. 
I was doing a little bit of research for the show, and there are some studies that say that high-intensity exercise for peri- and postmenopausal women can be helpful for a whole bunch of things, like reducing bone loss or strengthening bones so that you don't have as many issues with osteoporosis or osteopenia, right? But they also say, I've also seen stuff online. Now, be careful with what you believe. When you see ads online about, like, some people say, oh, peri-postmenopausal women shouldn't do high-intensity exercise because it generates cortisols and stress hormones, which are cortisols, make it harder to lose weight, right? You're going to see contradictory things, especially on social media. I just want to remind you that when you see stuff about weight loss on social media, those people are always trying to sell you a program or a supplement. There's a financial gain on there. You're going to do better researching online and looking at studies about weight loss or looking at information that's coming from people who don't have a financial gain from providing you that specific information. So I do recommend that if you're going to read up on weight loss, or I like to call it weight transformation, for some people, weight gaining weight is actually a breakthrough for them because they need to gain muscle mass or they just need to gain overall body weight. There are people out there that struggle with that as well. So I also want to mention that too. But I would say don't get your information from TikTok, okay? Or <laughs> Instagram. Don't get your information from there. You might get some ideas from social media, like is it true that peri- or postmenopausal women shouldn't do high-intensity exercise? Then you go and fact-check that. I recommend that you fact-check everything. Go do your own research. Um, so I'm going to give you some recommendations for what the U.S. government says for for um, exercise. And it's kind of scary, <laughs> Because the amount of exercise that adults are supposed to get versus what most people actually get because of our work demands and family demands are pretty incredible. So the Centers for Disease Control recommends that each week adults need 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity and two days of muscle strengthening activity according to current physical activity guidelines for Americans. Oh my God. Gosh, 150 minutes. Let's divide that into 50-minute workouts. So they're saying you need three 50-minute workouts with moderate intensity and two sessions of weight training. Wow. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. Most of us are probably, if we get three workout sessions in a week, we would consider ourselves lucky, I'd say. A lot of people don't even do that much. Now, what's moderate intensity, right? So that depends, I think, honestly, I think that depends on you. For some people, walking is moderate intensity. For some people, hiking is moderate intensity. Um, For some people, running is moderate intensity. So I really think it depends on you. But I would say that if you're going to create some exercise goals, I would start with do what you can do. (laughs) After the break, I'm going to give some more specific tips. But with exercise, if you have not been exercising, you cannot jump up to five exercise sessions a week. It's almost impossible. You, You could do it if you have the time 
and then determination. However, most of us, because we have really busy lives, fitting in that much time, because what they're basically saying is about four and a half hours of time exercising every week. That's what we're supposed to be getting, right? But what I would say is there are ways to get exercise in without necessarily doing uh, three 50-minute sessions, for instance. You could do a 15-minute walk in the morning if that's your time of high energy. Or you could do some dancing in the kitchen. You could carry your load of laundry up and down the stairs. You could park farther away in the parking lot from the store you're going into and walk along the parking lot, and that's exercise. You could go shop at places that are huge, like a store that's like a warehouse store, like a Costco or a Walmart or any of those stores with really giant locations. All kinds of stores like that. They're really big, and then you could go up and down all the aisles when you're shopping. That gives you more steps. I recently read an article, like I think last week, that 4,000 steps a day is actually enough. Somebody made up that 10,000 steps a day number, by the way. That was made up. <clears throat> that is not necessarily a real thing. And this article just came out uh, re- really recently. Like, um, if you're I mean, in the New York Times, it came out on August 9th. Isn't that interesting? So once you, and I'm going to put that in the show notes, by the way, that that's that article in the New York Times, that even 4,000 steps a day has benefits. Um, I will let you know that you may or may not be asked to get a subscription if you read this. But yeah, 4,000 steps a day. Researchers analyzed 17 studies that looked at how many steps people took typically in a week-long period and followed up on their health outcomes after around seven years. They concluded that a habit of walking just under 4,000 steps a day reduced the risk of dying from any cause, including from cardiovascular disease. And that's about 30 to 45 minute walks or about two miles. And it depends on the person. So that's a good starting point. If you are jumping into or starting to get into exercise, try walking. That could be really beneficial for you. So I would recommend giving that a shot just because I think for a lot of us, that's something that's accessible. Now, I have people who say, well, I can't walk because I have like knee issues. And I always tell those people, try water aerobics <clears throat> because that take or if you're a larger person and just your physical size makes it harder to exercise. I recommend that because I will tell you that being in water takes that pressure of gravity off of you. And it's just, it's wonderful. Like it really can help. You feel a lot lighter and a lot freer and then you can move more. And because you can move more, it's a lot easier. So I definitely recommend that you consider getting in the water. You could swim or you could do water aerobics or you could just walk. Isn't that interesting? Walking in water can be really helpful too. The erectile dysfunction thing. I want to mention that. <clears throat> I read an uh, article yesterday about ED and there are a lot of things that people can do for ED. So I definitely recommend that you can go and research that if you need to share that information with somebody. But exercise is one of the things. Another thing for ED is stop, stopping smoking, getting enough sleep, 
eating regularly. Erectile dysfunction, some of it is a cardiovascular issue. So definitely recommend if you know somebody that has that, that exercise is part of their regular plan of how to address that. And then let's talk about mood. It's huge for mood. It really is. If you're going into a winter cycle, so as I'm recording this, we're in mid-August, but at least where I live, in about a month or two, it's going to start raining. It's going to be cloudy. We're not going to get as much vitamin D. That's going to affect everyone's mood. Then we're going to get the shorter days. That's going to affect people's mood because we're not getting as much sunlight and it's raining. So I always tell people like, look at exercising regularly. If you're in a winter situation like that, where you're not getting as much sunlight and if the weather's bad, find ways to exercise. I will have to say since COVID, a lot of people have gone online and I, I taught exercise class online for 18 months. I did a volunteer Zoom workout for people in a class that I used to be in. We used to all be in a class together and I led workouts for 18 months. One of the reasons why I made that comment about doing exercise to make you feel good and not necessarily focus on what makes you look like is because I did that very intense exercise for 18 months and I I changed a little bit my appearance, but I didn't significantly change in my appearance, but I felt great. So what I realized was when you're younger and you have different hormone levels and balances, you can really change your appearance from exercise. But when you're older, it's more about how it makes you feel than like what it makes you look like. Cause you know, you could look good, but you're not going to get skinny necessarily. At least I wasn't able to, um, and there are, are people, there are all kinds of arguments about that, about that, like exercise and diet and all this stuff. I did all the right things, but for some of us genetically, there are certain um, challenges that we face, and that's why some people take weight loss drugs because some for some of those people, the weight loss drugs actually help them overcome some of the genetic challenges so that they can lose the weight. Okay, moving on. One of the things that you've heard me say a lot in this pod is weight loss or weight transformation. And really what I'm talking about is actual size change and or contour change. I want to mention this real quickly before we go on the break. Fat cells don't, you don't lose them. They just get smaller. So, so fat cells actually get bigger or smaller, but they don't like disappear unless you have a surgical intervention. Okay. So when people talk about weight loss, what they're really meaning is changing the shape of their fat cells and how big those fat cells are. Because usually if people use exercise as part of their weight transformation program, they actually oddly gain weight. Not oddly really because muscle weighs more than fat. So their fat cells get smaller and their muscle mass increases. That's usually what happens when someone incorporates exercise and bone mass too, by the way when they incorporate exercise into their life, right? So I just want to make sure people know that you could be exercising regularly. You could look slimmer and trimmer and you could actually weigh more. So if that happens, don't stress about it because you're probably increasing your muscle mass, okay? 
All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to give you some tips on how to actually bring exercise in or keep it in your life. This podcast is sponsored by Hubbard Education Group, creating wellness through education. If you've wanted to learn about being an empath, healing, energy work, consciousness, or massage, we have online and in-person courses for you. Find us on Facebook at Hubbard Education Group. That's Hubbard Education Group. Or go to www.arielhubbard.com. That's www.arielhubbard.com. And if you're on Clubhouse, you can find Ariel Hubbard by looking up Ariel Hubbard, A-R-I-E-L-H-U-B-B-A-R-D. And we're back. So I have been talking about how important exercise is. I do want to mention real quickly before I get into tips. I've talked about it for mood. I've talked about it for erectile dysfunction. I've talked about it for making you feel good, feeling more confident. But now I'm going to talk about some things that you can do to actually like bring it in your life or keep it in your life. So the first tip, pick a type of exercise you're actually going to do and that you'll actually make time for. Okay. Some people absolutely love to run. Other people don't like running. Some people can cycle. Some people don't have the equipment. Some people love to dance. Some people like to do water aerobics or they like to do Tai Chi or yoga. So what it is, is you need to go out there. And if you haven't experienced these different types of exercise, you might want to consider taking some classes. And I mentioned that there's a lot of stuff online because of COVID, a lot of trainers and teachers have gone online. So you can actually experience a lot of these forms of exercise in your own home. You don't have to go to a gym. You can literally do a search on YouTube for yoga teachers and you're going to see all kinds of stuff pop up or Tai Chi teachers or exercise. Go on there and try some of these different workouts. Okay. And then look at how long those workouts are. What can you really do? Is it 15 minutes? Is it 50 minutes twice a week and then squeezing in 15 to 30 minute walks the rest of the week? What is it something that you'll actually do and have time for? Then you actually need to put it in your calendar. You can't say, oh, I'm going to work out. You need to put it in your calendar and schedule it in your calendar at a time when you have the energy to do it when you have the energy to do it, okay? So some of us don't have the energy in the morning. We are not morning people. Um, we'll do it at night. So schedule at night, okay? I personally am a morning person. So for me, I work out in the morning when I can. I have like a scheduled exercise. And then other times when I'm squeezing stuff in, I'll do it at other times of the day. So just reminding you that you do have to pick exercise that's going to work that you'll actually do. And I want to remind you that if you're a thicker person, being thicker has probably not as much to do with a character issue or, quote, a lack of willpower, that, unquote. That's a stereotype, honestly, from a misogynist society that doesn't like women. That's what that is, okay? If you're a thicker person, 
it's probably more to do with your genes and your biochemistry than it has to do with any kind of character issue. So there's that. I just want to remind you of that that's really important. I also want to remind you that weight-bearing exercise like walking, running, and weight training can help increase bone mass. And in postmenopausal women, moderate exercise can preserve bone mass and the spine and can prevent fractures. And exercise, as I've mentioned already, can improve mood because you're experiencing an endorphin release when you exercise. All right. So that's my quick little bit on the importance of exercise. Remember that also you can use it when you're dealing with seasonal affective disorder. You can use it. Now, there are other things you have to do, but it can be super helpful to elevate mood when you're dealing with the dark time of the year or the bad weather time of the year. Okay? All right. So hopefully this information was helpful for you. I hope you got something positive out of this. I hope I gave you some ideas for something you would actually do. And I just want to remind you that exercise is really about making you feel good and that looking good will come out of you feeling good. So thank you for joining me today. Remember to move with your power and into your magnificence and have a great day. Thanks so much. podcast is sponsored by Hubbard Education Group, creating wellness through education. If you've wanted to learn about being an empath, healing, energy work, consciousness, or massage, we have online and in-person courses for you. Find us on Facebook at Hubbard Education Group, that's Hubbard Education Group, or go to www.arielhubbard.com. That's www.arielhubbard.com. And if you're on Clubhouse, you can find Ariel Hubbard by looking up Ariel Hubbard, A-R-I-E-L-H-U-B-B-A-R-D.